listeners. Welcome back to another episode of A Real Page Turner. Hello, Mara, and hello to all our listeners. We so gotta... today's an exciting episode. We have our a special guest with us, author Aura Smith, and we are going to introduce her in a minute. And the book we're in a movie we're going to talk about today is the book is Howard Hughes, His Life in Madness, and the movie is The Aviator. So his life in madness. Um, was written in 1979 by Donald L. Bartlett and James B. Steele. And it is a monster of a book. I feel like it reads like a biography. And so Donnie, tell us a little bit about the uh, movie, which probably most people are familiar with. Yeah, The Aviator uh, debuted in 2004. I uh, was uh, uh, written by John Logan and directed by Martin Scorsese. You may have heard of him. Uh, it has a... a, a a uh, cast of uh, a lot of like no name kind of young up and coming actors such as uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, uh, Kate Beckinsale, Alan Alda, Alec Baldwin, Gwen Stefani, Drew Jude Law. You know, so you know, lots of young up and coming actors. Uh, yeah, but- and they, they said that the book, the movie, was really based on the 1993 Howard Hughes book, The Secret Life by Charles Higman. But we chose to do this one based off the recommendation of our very good friend Aura Smith, who is with us today. Hi, Aura. Hi, hi, Mara. Hi, Donnie. Thanks for having me. We're so pleased to have you. So, Aura is a genealogist and an author, and she has historical heritage fiction novels, writing about her ancestors and creating stories about the, her um, ancestors based on true events. And she has written a one, uh, an amazing book called Unacknowledged, The Possible Biological Mother of Howard Hughes, as well as other heritage fiction and a children's book. And Aura, Dottie and I have been friends with Aura for what seems like a long time since we went to our master's programs together at Wilkes. So welcome, Aura. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. So we wanted yes. to talk a little, we wanted your expertise because you've done such a lot of um, research on Howard Hughes and his life. And we thought, what better person to have at our conversation today? Thanks. Yeah, we're so, so happy to have you. Here. So Aura, tell us a little bit about your book, Unacknowledged. You know, how did you come up with the idea for your book? How did you get into that and all of the research that went along with it? Um, the idea came when I was at Wilkes University. I was asked, we are we were all asked to do a thesis and that thesis would be a book. And we had a year to write it and we were given a mentor. And I had heard rumor in my family that Howard Hughes was my great uncle. And I thought, it would be because I'm a genealogist, it would be fun for me to figure out if he was. I, I knew there was a missing great uncle that my great grandmother gave away a child, and I didn't know if it was him or not. So that was kind of where I started. Let's see if this is true. It's fascinating. And so, what did you then? How did you develop that like into the book? And what did you find? The, the book is written in such a way that my great grandmother's story is fiction. And I am also in the book as fact, nonfiction. So it kind of goes back and forth between us too. It, her, even my great grandmother's fiction parts are based on truth, on facts, as much as I could find. And I I know that's an unusual way to write a book. And Becky Bradway was my mentor. And I kind of threw it to her and said, what do you think? Should I do this? And she was good with it. And she was really 
helpful. And I'm glad she was. It, it is a little bit of a stickler in knowing how to sell it. Uh, is, do I sell it as fiction? Do I sell it as nonfiction? Because it's both. But and I, I, I loved it. I thought it was so engrossing and, you know, playing back and forth between your family today and you and what you know and what you don't know. And I thought you were very clear in that. And I thought it was great. I've had a lot of good response and especially people who have said, I've wanted to research my family and this makes me feel like I can do it because I, I tell them how to do it basically, but with the story. Yeah, it was great. So, you know, based off of your kind of experience and, you know, doing a lot of research on Howard Hughes, what did you think of the Aviator movie and the book that you had recommended? I, you know, how do you not like a Scorsese movie? But for instance, for those who have watched it, it starts with his mother giving him a bath. He's maybe four or five. He's being asked to spell the word quarantine. And she is saying something about, she's teaching him about about there's no safe place, you know, without germs kind of a thing. That That's how the movie begins. And because it's done so well, it gives you the creeps. I mean, it just makes your skin crawl. And then the next scene is Howard Hughes in his early 20s filming a movie uh, called The Hell's Angels. So my book fits between those two. It, it's Howard's life as a child, really from birth until about 12. Yeah. And, you know, after reading the, his life in madness, you know, it really takes you through his, his, his whole life, right? Very detailed. And I thought the movie really picks up at Hell's Angels and you, you, you don't get a lot of that backstory, which Donnie, you and I've had this conversation before. You can't do that with a movie because this movie was already almost three hours long. <laughs> so, yes. Right. So, to get all of that would take forever. So, you kind of have to pick it up. And I, you miss a lot of how they really made their money on kind of the drill bit and other, you know, other things than just the movie part of it. And it's interesting, Roy, that you brought up Hell's Angels because, Donnie, I don't know if you noticed this. And, you know, the book is very clear on kind of his insistence. Um, uh, insistence on things being just so at kind of any cost. And so, you know, the movie conveniently kind of leaves out that that pilot was killed and, you know, that there were ramifications for this type of, you know, drive, uh, for lack of a better word, that he had that you don't really see that, right? You kind of, The movie kind of sticks towards like the glamour. And I don't know, Donnie, or, uh, or if you would agree with that. I, I would say so. Would say so. Yeah, like it's a, a very glamorous movie. It's um, I believe like it it won Oscars for its costume design and uh, art direction. Uh, so yeah, it's a, like they do they they do touch up like in the film touch a lot on like his kind of personality and his quirks and his his OCD but I kind of I sense that like it came like a lot uh, much like later in the film like towards the end he's just like like full blown like madman pretty much and uh, just kind of little hints here and there throughout the film that he's a little off kilter I noticed. <laughs> I found myself and this is probably just because of my research of him and thinking that he may be related. I found myself being really sensitive to the way Scorsese used his OCD, his um, his drive, his perfectionism, his motivationalism. He, he sensationalized it. And I thought, you know, we probably all know someone that has mental illness, right? And it's it hurts to, to, to it hurt me to, to see that done to Howard Hughes, no matter how much truth is there. 
but you know, I guess that makes a movie, right? You 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 want that drama, but it, I found myself really sensitive to it. Yeah, and I I think that also in the in the book in the Howard Hughes book that we used, they talk about how nobody nobody really tried to help him, and it wasn't the time period of get like, people getting mental health help. You know, it it wasn't that time period, but that he didn't really have anybody who really said like you need to get some assistance, right? You need help. And I thought the movie though showed how the people around him, the closest people, tried to protect him from like the public eye and people seeing just what was going on inside his mind and what was happening to him. You know, and the one of the one of the criticisms I was reading said that that scene where he is in the screening room and he's there for months and is only drinking milk and he's naked and it's kind of a really big psychotic break that in the movie he's much younger, but in in real life, you know, and in the book, he was probably nearer to his fifties. And I I thought that was interesting. But the other thing I thought they left out in the movie, and again, it's about glamour because they show, I think Ava Gardner coming and trying to help him, but it left out his whole marriage to Jean Peters. And he was truly married to her during that, during a lot of that time, but they, they never put that in the movie that he was actually married to someone for quite some time. And maybe it's because, you know, she's not a well-known starlet, but I thought that was interesting that they left that out. Yeah. Cause this is like, it was like very very glitzy and like and you know it's a kind i did kind of uh kind of like it because i'm a big fan of like old uh hollywood movies so i did like that feel of of the film and that and like seeing like these stars you know like Kate blanchett playing katherine hepburn and you know ava gardner and uh errol flynn and spencer tracy you know these like old you know old classic hollywood stars so yeah i think definitely is um wanting to focus on that aspect as opposed to his marriage, which I thought it was kind of odd because the you know because the whole time like after reading after reading the book and I'm I'm watching the, the film I've never seen I've heard of it but I never seen it before before this podcast this and, and I thought and I kept saying it was like okay he's like I know he's been married and where's his is his wife going to show up at any time and I'm reading the Wikipedia and seeing the, the cast list for it and I was like oh no there's no one listed under that character so. And Kate Blanchett won Best Supporting Actress for this, as for her role as Catherine Hepburn. Yes, she did. And she was very good. Yes, yes. Um, And I, so Aura, like reading the Howard Hughes' Life in Madness and then reading your book, there's a lot of, I think, quotes and scenes that are similar. So it seems like his life was pretty well documented. Like, did you find that? Like some of the notes, like the letters that his mother sent him and he sent back, it seemed like it was pretty well documented. No, as a researcher, you're always wishing there were more, but. Um, what's interesting is that yes, there was that documentation, but there wasn't of his birth. And I have a whole chapter on that. Why? Why did not why did the biographers not agree on the birth information, where he was born, when he was born? Why did he not have a birth certificate? There's there's so much to that that plays into unacknowledged my book. But I, one thing I liked about um, his life in Madness is that they didn't just say Aline Hughes, which is the woman that raised Howard, that she was, you know, paranoid and a germaphobe and that kind of thing. They proved it by finding letters, as you mentioned, that she wrote to Howard Hughes's um, summer camp. I believe he was between 10 and 12 when he went to this camp. He went more than once. And her letters are filled with paranoia. And, you know, um, she herself was over domineering. And 
it gives you, a, I thought, it gave me a better feel for how Howard was living. He was what people would say um, has social avoidance disorder, very shy. His father was the opposite. He was an extrovert um, and he was rarely in Howard's life as a child. So it's interesting. To, I, to me, it was interesting to see this play on his parents who Elaine died when Howard was 16 and Howard Sr. died when he was 18. So he was left with this fortune at a very young age. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting in the book. It really gives you like a lot of backstory that, you know, we get some insight into what has happened to him and how maybe his parents' death contributed to some of, you know, I don't want to say his mental mental illness, but things that were happening to him, you know, he was left with kind of no family. I mean, he had family that took care of him, but he really was more comfortable being on his own. True. There was uh, one part in the movie that really stood out to that really stood out to me is the scene where he's going to the premiere of uh, I believe it was the Hell's Angels and he's going with uh, uh with uh and he's going with uh, Gwen Stefani's character and uh she and the interviewers are you know asking him like what he thinks and he's like struggling to come up with like what to say or something it was just a very awkward moment and he's like oh this is a, a big night and you know can't like really get out the right uh the right words so. I think that was kind of like the whole awkwardness of that exchange, you know, really like was kind of like a selling point to me of his personality. Well, if you don't mind me jumping in here, I think that when he had that accident, he had a lot of accidents uh, throughout his life when he hit his head. But that big one, when he was in the fighter plane and uh, had an accident in Beverly Hills, I believe it was the Hollywood Hills, somewhere around there, his personality changed after that. And it's only more recently within the last decade that we've understood head injuries and concussions and how those things could happen. He did not even smoke a cigarette. He was very rarely drank. He was very clean in in what he ate, except for his cookies and ice cream. But but he changed, you know, and he he became a drug abuser. And and I, I, I think these head injuries played into a lot of what people think is just mental illness, but maybe there was more to it. Yeah. And that, that was interesting to read that. And you just made me think of something when you said with the drug abuse and they, they said in the book that he was addicted to codeine and pain, you know, kind of pain management, pain managed pain pills um, or pain medicine, but they don't show that at all in the movie. They really show him always carrying that little tin of soap that he then takes to the bathroom and washes his hands. So we get a look into like kind of his OCD and germaphobe tendencies with always having that little bar of soap like for a while, like it took me a minute. I was like, what is, is, I thought maybe was that the drugs, but then I realized, no, he carried his own bar of soap everywhere. And so they really didn't touch upon the um, codeine dependency in the movie at all, which was, you know, interesting. Yeah, I I, I did find find interesting about the film is like with how long it was, like uh, you mentioned it, like it was running at close to three hours, but like yet still is how like pigeonholed it was and very, um, you know, how much was cut out and how much like what you know so many aspects of his life that wasn't uh, a part of the film so I think some uh, very like interesting choices uh, they made yeah it was almost like and I don't know if this is a good comparison or not but it's almost like when people talk about the difference between memoir and biography right like the Howard Hughes his life in madness is very I think biographical with a timeline at the end where the aviator seems more memoirish right like place and time you know it doesn't cover his whole life it just gives us insight into 
kind of the movie star aspect. And it gives us some into the planes and his obsession with the planes, but not at the level of which you read about in the book, right? Like they don't, they, they don't talk about the government money and how he created the nonprofit to hide it to avoid paying his taxes. Right. Like that's not covered in the in the movie. It's more of a, I think, you know, high level the the movies and the planes and just kind of how how he kind of devolves. So to me that seems like it's a little bit more, I don't know, memoir, place and time, snap and time, look back. I don't know if you would agree with that, but you know, I remember seeing this movie a long time ago and it was and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's like excellent points about the um, the whole memoir versus bi- biography, and that's the, uh, definitely the sense that uh, that I that I got. And certainly, the, like the, the three of us would know with like our writing backgrounds, how we had to learn how to whittle things down and uh, kill your darlings, and you know, only include so much, so much. Definitely, some interesting choices made the film. And or I know you you mentioned this was one of the books that you really thought did a good job, and you liked. You know, there's is how much information is there out there. About about Howard Hughes. I mean, there are multiple books, right? I mean, right. Um, probably I read six biographies, this being one of them. And then I read like Ava Gardner's uh, biography. I read oh, yes. Catherine Hepburn's. I think hers was an autobiography. I'm trying to remember. It's been a few years. I think it's called Me, isn't it? So, so these women mention him and talk about him and, and it, it helps you get a little bit of a more rounded description of him. And they, it was interesting because I think they both mentioned how there was an innocence about him, a childlike innocence. So I thought that was interesting. They were attracted to that. And other women had said that too, even though he was very manipulative with with women and, and it gets you know, kind of creepy when he starts dating really young women and he's in his 40s and 50s and he's dating teenagers. But there's, you know, some real warped problems there. Yet the two women that probably loved him the most, David Gardner and Catherine Hepburn, had some really nice things to say about him. Yeah, that, that they spent a lot of time on them in the book and movie. And it's, it is definitely, you know, interesting. And I was reading up on them, too, uh, on just some articles on the Internet and seeing that they also, you know, each had a book. Not, not where they focus on him, but their lives and his part in their lives. Or uh, would you... Um... I know you mentioned before about how like his uh, mental illness was kind of sensationalized in the book. Like, do you think um, the one part, uh, the one part that stuck out to me about uh, about that was when Ava Gardner comes to his uh, comes to his home and he has like everything, like all like the tape all over the house or something, or, like the the dangerous areas or something. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, what would get? Uh, what would be your opinions on that? Do you think that is like an example of like the sensational sensationalizing or? Um, I- Maybe I meant sensational more that that's all they pulled out. Yeah, I think it probably happened. If Ava Gardner said it happened, it it probably happened. Um, And he did have OCD. He did have these mental problems, but he's also more of a person. You know, when you watch a movie and it's it's three or a third of it about his mental illness it's hard to get i think a good picture of the man i guess that was what i was trying to say earlier Very yeah good. that makes sense like i i keep thinking of almost like that movie the beautiful a beautiful mind if you saw that one like, and that's based off a person and they i think they did a good job too with that with how they kind of balanced it um but it almost makes me think of that yeah i I don't know, you know, reading this book and seeing this and and then seeing the movie, you don't ever really get to see Howard Hughes too much as of a person. I mean, you get a 50 yard view, right? And you have to one, and maybe that's by design because he didn't let many people very close to him. Right. There's those, 
that he let close to him were his employees uh, toward the later part of his life. And there's a book, I can't remember the title, it's by Wenton and two other men that it, he that Howard Hughes had employed. And they said that a lot of the OCD information that had been out there, like the Kleenex boxes and stuff, was not true. Hmm. So I, I wasn't sure how to take that. But if they're the closest people to him, you you, you want to believe it. So, so that was interesting to see their take and read their information. They were with him to the end when he died. And to me, the kind of, I don't know, I'm always looking for the psychology of people, I guess, but I saw Howard as somebody who turned from his family. His parents died, but his parents extended family. He wanted nothing to do with on both sides. And he, he, I think he used these employees kind of as that substitute. They were loyal to them, him and he trusted them. And I, I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they, they say how he took care of them in his like his will that he did numerous times and you no, know, he wanted to take care of them when he was no longer here. So I thought that was, you know, nice. And mm-hmm. they did a good job of showing that in the book. I don't think they went as much of that in the movie, but, you know, definitely the book gives you, you know, you get a wrap up right on his life because, you know, we kind of get to the end, whereas the movie doesn't do that. But I think, you know, Donnie, you said you hadn't seen this movie before. And so what's your, what was your first impression? Oh. Uh- yeah, it was it was very long, uh, but I like yeah, I did you know mostly like enjoy it. I did like um, I think it was a very uh, it was a tech technical masterpiece. Like uh, like I loved like the the costumes and the production design and like the cinematography were all very top uh, very top notch and that's so, um, is yeah I did you know enjoy it. But there were you know so, uh, there were some things like is you know that couldn't like get on your nerves a little there were some parts that were a little boring at times but overall I thought they did a really good job with aging Leonardo DiCaprio right because like they say (laughs) Howard Hughes is a very distinguished good-looking tall man you know and obviously Leonardo DiCaprio fits that bill but I thought they did a really good job at like aging him like when we see him in the scene with when he's in the screening room right and he's been in there and he's has no clothes on like you really see that in his features they've kind of like how they've aged him. And I thought that was really done like really well. Like they saw the the toll that is like kind of taken on him. Um, and I thought, th- I thought Leonardo DiCaprio did a good job and I don't know, or after yeah. all you've read about Howard Hughes, is that, would you agree that Howard, that Leonardo DiCaprio was? I, I thought he was good, especially, you know, Howard Hughes was hard of hearing and Leonardo DiCaprio kept turning his head, putting his good ear out and, mm-hmm. and the, his mannerisms. And I thought he did a fantastic job and he's beautiful to look at too. But the only thing that, that really, stuck with me said his eyes were blue and Howard Hughes's are dark brown and so it kept throwing me a little bit and that's a silly stupid thing but that's just me oh that's interesting and you wonder like did they I don't know this movie is like 2004 you'd have to think they would have had contacts or something if they wanted to but I noticed yeah. that part of that 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 um the heart of hearing because when you saw him in the the I, I want to say the court but it was not a court it, it was the the committee oh, hearing yeah he, he kept putting that one thing up to his ear so he could hear what they were saying and I thought that was interesting I thought he did yeah I, he did a really good job of that oh what one thing I did want to interject is like I speaking of that the part I did really like uh, Alan Alda's character I think he did an excellent job and he actually was nominated for a supporting actor Oscar for his performance as well as Leo for best actor so it's um I I really 
I really like the exchange like between them. I think that was, you know, you know, obviously it's they're very wordy scenes because it's all like just dialogue and that, but it's um it was a very compelling part. Those are some of my favorite parts of the of the film. Well, and Howard Hughes not going in the public at that time, it was it was huge for them to see him speaking it long lengths and showing his intelligence and his uh, drive, you know, it, I, 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 that was a big deal back then during those committee hearings. Yeah. And almost, you know, he knew the gravity of it, that he had to go out and do it because he knew he had to, you know, he kind of just pulled himself up and did it because they don't really show in any, in the book or the movie, like anybody getting him help or him figuring out how to do it. Like he kind of just said, I'm ready. Get me some clothes. I'm coming out, which is interesting because he just did that. When it makes Um, you wonder if they over-exaggerated the OCD stuff when you see him in that situation. I don't know. I don't know. Because the book seemed consistent with it. And it's like, yeah, you wonder where those reports came from, Mm -hmm. you know, because like who really knew him that was reporting on this? You have to want, right? You don't know. He's one of the most uh, mysterious celebrities of all time. Like there's so many questions regarding his, uh, his whole life and about it that you know it's it's not it's not a surprise that there's been so much like devoted to him like this film and then like numerous books and everything about him just a very very mysterious figure that is uh, fascinating to learn about yeah i mean i remember seeing this movie when it first came out and probably more so because leonardo dicaprio was in it um (laughs) not that i knew much about howard hughes and i think the other time i only heard about howard hughes was through you aura when you were talking about this during our program and getting to hear some of what you were writing so this is probably the the first time I've revisited some of this and he really is a fascinating character that I think people don't realize had done so many other things than probably a lot of people just that either people probably know him from planes or from movies but that you know there was so much more in there and I think that was you know so it was really interesting to kind of go back and watch it again and read some of the you know your book and the this the bio the Howard Hughes's Life and Madness and kind of look at all of that together great so does anyone do you guys have anything else you want to talk about no it's just uh, very very happy to have you join us, Aura. It's been a, it's been a, a long time, but always uh, nice to see you and listen to you again. So this has been really Thank fun. You. Thank you for inviting me. I loved it. Yeah, I'm so glad you were able to join us. Um, so, listener, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today, and maybe you go out and now learn more about Howard Hughes and read Aura's book and rewatch the movie, you know, with some a different lens. So, thanks everyone, and uh, keep reading and keep watching. Thank you.